This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And that's where this verse 7 is so important when he said, God sent me before you to save your lives. It's an illustration for us of Deuteronomy 1.30. Deuteronomy 1.30 where the Lord says, the Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. I mean, doesn't this statement in verse seven describe the Lord Jesus? Like when Joseph said, God sent me before you to save your lives in Deuteronomy 1.30, the Lord your God goes before you to fight for us. I mean, here we are on earth, there, there we were on earth, there we are on earth, we're on earth going right down the middle of the road to hell. And there God is in heaven. And just like it says of Joseph, God the Father sends the Lord Jesus Christ to go before us to save our lives. He's sent by God the Father to go before us. He becomes a man in order to go before us to save our lives. As a man, he went before us through death to do Hebrews 10, 2.10, Hebrews 2.10 bringing many sons to glory. Can't you just picture that? Can't you just picture us as the sheep of the Lord and the Lord, the shepherd, going before us and saying, now come on, now come on, follow me, come on. I'm gonna lead you to glory. And just like Joseph went through the suffering in order to bring his brothers to life, so the Lord went through the cross in order to bring us to life. What we've been singing about tonight. And then in verse seven, when Joseph said that he was sent by God to save their lives, it shows us something of the heart of Joseph. He really, genuinely, truly wanted to be reconciled with his brothers. These are the brothers who wanted to kill him. These are the brothers who envied him and hated him. It reminds me of a Christian one time that was working alongside of a Jewish man, and I said to him, I said to the Christian, why don't you tell him that you want to spend eternity with him? And the Christian turned to me and says, because I don't want to spend eternity with him. It's bad enough I have to work with them. Well, Joseph did not see his brothers for what they had been as the murderous group that wanted to kill him in the waterless pit. And he did not see his brothers 
as betraying as they were when they sold him into Egypt, what Joseph saw was he looked beyond that. He looked beyond their past and he visualized what his Christians would be like if they were saved by God, changed by the Spirit of God. And that's what made Joseph want to be with them. When he said in verse four, come near to me, Joseph wanted to spend eternity with his brothers. And that's the key for us. How are we gonna love our enemies? How are we gonna love the unlovable in our lives? It's not to focus on what they have been and maybe still are, but it's to see beyond that, it's to visualize what they would be in life if they were saved like Joseph did with his brothers. So when Joseph said to his brothers, he's transitioning now, he starts off in verse three, I am Joseph. He goes further in verse four, I am Joseph, your brother. That's very significant. You know, at first he says, I am Joseph, your, I am Joseph, that's all, in verse three. Then he says in verse four, I am Joseph, your brother. I mean, if the brothers were talking, they wouldn't say, hey, it's Joseph, our brother, it would just say, it's Joseph. They wouldn't have said, he is Joseph, our brother. But this is what makes the difference, and this is where Joseph says, what he says in verse four, so important, I am Joseph, your brother. We might need air. Air conditioning. Joseph, your brother. But what Joseph's statement was, I am Joseph, your brother, it meant that something very important. When Joseph's brothers sold Joseph as a slave, they had divorced themselves from Joseph. But even though Joseph's brothers divorced themselves from Joseph, when Joseph said, I am your brother, Joseph was saying to them, even though you have divorced yourself from me, I never divorced myself from you. Joseph was not like Cain. See, Cain divorced himself from his brother Abel, and that was the whole point of Genesis 4.9. Genesis 4.9, when it says, and the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel? He didn't say, where is Abel? But he said, where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, and Cain said, and he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? See, God called Abel his brother, and Cain divorced himself from his brother. After all, he killed him. And we don't wanna be like Cain. When someone makes us angry, and someone gets on the wrong side of us, what we unconsciously do, we divorce ourselves. We can call him brother, but we don't mean it. To be like Cain is to kill others in our mind and to divorce ourselves from them. Cain never would have said, hello, I'm Cain, Abel's brother. He never would have said that. And that's why it's so important. So even though Joseph's brothers divorced themselves from Joseph, Joseph never divorced himself from them. Zathnath Paneach was not happy until he was Joseph, their brother, again. And that's a picture of God as Joseph. Joseph is a picture of God in regard to the Jewish people, the, his brothers, the Jewish people. They are the Jewish people. They were the Jewish people. But anyway, when the Jewish people rejected their God, the Lord Jesus, when they rejected their God, when they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, they rejected their God. And they said very significant words. In a parable they said in Luke 19, 14, Luke 19, 14, we will not have this man reign over us. And then they said in Luke 23, 18, Luke 23, 18, they cried out all at once saying, away with this man. They wouldn't even say his name. Away with this man and release unto us, not this man, but Barabbas. They gave more honor to Barabbas. And when the Jewish people did that, they divorced themselves from the Lord Jesus Christ, just like Joseph's brothers did. 
But just like Joseph, even though the Jewish people have divorced themselves from the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus never divorced himself from the Jewish people. And that's what he meant when he said in Malachi 2.16, Malachi 2.16, for the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away or divorce. Or in Psalm 137.5, Psalm 137.5, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. And then he said in Isaiah 62.6, the Lord said in Isaiah 62.6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. You that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. We're gonna be doing that at the end of the service here for 15 minutes. We're gonna take our position as watchmen on the wall and we're not gonna give God peace day and night. We're gonna have a specific prayer request. And it says, and give him no rest until he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. He, this verse is a very disturbing verse in John 1.11. It's very disturbing. When it says in John 11, 1.11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. His own is referring to the Jewish people. He came to his own Jewish people and his own Jewish people received him not. This verse, John 1.11, is the tragedy of the universe. It's the tragedy of the universe when he came unto his own and his own received him not. And the great need is for the undoing of this verse in John 1.11. When Adam reached up and took the fruit, that was a tragedy in the universe for us. And the great need was for someone to come, and, as the Lord Jesus did, and put the fruit back, the undoing of this way. In the same way, in John 1.11, when it says he came into his own and his own received him not, there is a need for the undoing of that. And the Lord Jesus will not rest until John 1.11 is undone, when he will come into his own and his own will receive him, which they will do. They will do. As it says in Matthew 23.39, Matthew 23.39, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They're going to say, Lord Jesus, blessed are you that comes in the name of the Lord. And that will happen when the Jewish people cry with all of their heart for him to return. And that will, that, that will be when, when he does return, and that will be the undoing of John 1.11, when he comes into his own and his own does receive him. Now, what we see in verse eight has a particular application to anyone who's been hurt in life. Am I the only one here that's ever been hurt in life? Anybody here ever been hurt in life? A few, okay. In verse eight, Joseph is gonna really help us here because he's putting a strong emphasis in verse eight. He says, now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he's made me a father of Pharaoh, Lord of all his house, ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. The strong emphasis that Joseph was making was it was not you that sent me hither, but God. It's very important for us to see here what Joseph is affirming here, what he's saying. When Joseph says, it's not you that sent me, Joseph was seeing all the broken pieces of his life, and at last, they fit together into a, a peaceful resolution. So here's the issue. Here's the issue that's addressed with Joseph, his statement when he said, it's not you that sent me. What do you do? I mean, what do you really do when something really terrible happens in your life 
And there's just no peaceful resolution to the, to the question, why me? Why did this happen to me? I mean, what do you do when this nagging question continues to haunt you and to disturb you, and you've looked at all the Bible verses about how God loves you and how all things work together and how you should forget the things that are past and how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And there's that person or that situation that keeps coming back to your mind and try as you, as you do, you can't shake it. You can't shake. What do you do? What do you do? Where is the resolution to the question of why did this happen to me? How do you find a lasting peace, a peaceful resolution to the question, why did this happen to me? Joseph is showing us here. He's showing us in verse 8 that the only way he could resolve the tragedies in this life is to see life through the verse 8 lens. He's seeing life through the verse 8 lens when he says four words. Not you, but God. Not you, but God. This was Joseph's principle of life that enabled him to make sense over the tragedy that happened in his life. You know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know of any character in the Bible that was more mistreated than Joseph, I don't know. I don't know of any person in the Bible who had more reason to say about his life, that was not fair. I did not deserve this. Why did this happen to me? And for the, all the tragic events in life, to be so betrayed as to be sold by your brothers, to be a slave, consigned to a slavery for the rest of your life, has got to be at the top of the list of hurts in life. And all through his life, for Joseph's life, all through Joseph's life, it was like a horror movie. It was like a horror movie and, and that just played and it kept showing the scenes of his brother selling him as a slave and it just keeps running over and over and over again in his life. And Joseph could not stop this disturbing loop of the reruns of this movie in his life. You know, he tried to forget what his brothers did to him and he, he, he tried to just forget about it. He thought, well, maybe time, it'll just push it out of my mind. But then something would happen, something that, that Joseph didn't expect and the devil's the devil's horror movie would run again in his mind and he would see it in 3D vividness, the scenes of his brother selling him to slavery. And he found himself again in another prison, worse than, Potiphar, worse than Pharaoh's prison. And that was the prison where he was forced to sit down and watch again the devil's horror movie of his brother selling him to slavery. From the moment that Joseph was sold by his brothers as a slave, the devil's horror movie ran. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind as he was marched off, stripped and marched off as the property of the Ishmaelites. And the devil's horror movie ran when Joseph was marched up onto that platform and said, look at him, and, and, and the auction began to sell him, resell him as a slave. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind when he was put into those painful stocks in the prison. Remember, they, they didn't say, what size do you wear? They just, it was painful. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind every day he woke up in Pharaoh's prison. And every day Joseph woke up, he hoped it was just a bad dream. He hoped it was, it was, it was just, I'm gonna wake up from this nightmare and I'm gonna find that really my brothers didn't sell me into slavery. But every day he woke up and he found that it wasn't a nightmare, that it was reality. And every day he faced the question, why? Why me? Why did this happen to me? And every day that Joseph asked himself that question, he was forced to sit down and watch another rerun 
of the old devil's horror movie. And that was the mental prison that Joseph was in. From that moment that he was sold as a slave, Joseph battled bitterness and anger. He was against his brothers for selling him as a slave, against God for letting him be sold as a slave. And those were the two parties in his mind, his brothers and God. And on the one side over here, Joseph saw his brothers selling him as a slave. And on the other side, Joseph saw God allowing him to be sold. And Joseph struggled with the decision as to which side am I gonna look at, at the side of his brothers or at the side with God? And when Joseph looked at the side with his brothers over here, he saw hatred, he saw envy against him. And when Joseph looked on the other side with God, then Joseph had a choice. He had a choice, what will I see? Was Joseph going to see God who hated him? And Joseph said, no, I know God does not hate me. Was Joseph gonna see God who doesn't care, didn't care what happened to him? No, Joseph said, I know God cares for me. Was Joseph gonna see God who was maybe too busy? Like Elijah said about those false gods. Maybe he was too busy, he was off doing something in his universe, he's a very busy person when his brothers sold him. And Joseph said, no, I know God never sleeps as he watches over me. So then, what did Joseph see when he visualized God in his mind? Telling him as a slave. And Joseph saw God pointing down to Egypt with his finger. And Joseph saw God saying, go, go, Joseph, go down to Egypt. I have a job for you to do in Egypt. I'm sending you to Egypt. Remember the dreams, Joseph, remember them? I got a purpose for you. Your job's not done yet. Go down to Egypt. It'll be an adventure. And it was. And that became the new movie. That became a new movie for Joseph. A new movie for him to look at. A movie that was calm and calming. A movie that was peaceful, peaceful. A movie that was loving. What a wonderful movie. That became God's movie. And Joseph liked that movie. And he liked that sight of God sending him down to Egypt better than the other side of the devil's horror movie of his brother sending him as, selling him as a slave into Egypt. The only problem, the only problem was that the side with the devil's horror movie selling him as a slave, it wasn't passive, it was active. And that side of the devil's horror movie kept calling out to Joseph, look at me, look at me, look at me. And as loud as the devil's horror movie kept calling out, God from his side was calling out to Joseph loud, just as loud, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the calls become deafening for Joseph to the point where Joseph says, I gotta make a choice. And Joseph makes his point in verse eight when he cries out to the one side and he says, not you, but God. That's verse eight. Not you, devil's horror movie, but God. And he makes his decision to watch God's movie of love and purpose and not the devil's horror movie. Now, just picture yourself going down to Rancho San Diego to the Edwards Cinema down there and you see there are two movies showing. And one is God's movie of love and purpose in life, and the other is the devil's horror movie of how someone hurts you. And so you say, well, I wanna go see that one. So you go there, you pay your money to the, to the person, you get the ticket. And movies have changed when I was young. Anyway, there wasn't a hallway with movies, so you pay your money, you go in, there's the movie, that's the movie, that's it. Just one movie, but not now. So down at Edwards Cinema, you got a hallway with all these movies showing in different rooms. And you go down the hallway, you see the rooms, and you see the signs over the rooms. 
and they'll tell you what movie's being shown, and you see the sign that says, God's movie. And you say, oh, good, okay, that's why I came here, that's why I paid the money for it, that's why I'm going here. And you're getting ready to go in there to see God's movie, but just before you do, you see another sign over another room, and it says, the devil's horror movie. And th that sign actually calls out to you. It says, come look at the devil's horror movie. And so you're kind of sitting there hate, hesitating with it all. You say, I'm kind of curious, what is that? And then the other sign, God's movie, it calls out to you and it says, no, 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 come and look at God's movie. And so you're standing there in the hallway and you make your decision and you do just like Joseph does in verse eight, not you, but God. And that's where you go. Now, that's what Joseph did in verse eight. He made his decision to look at God's movie of love and purpose in his life and not to look at the devil's horror movie of his brother selling him as a slave. And that's how Joseph made sense over the tragedies that happened in his life. That's how he saw all the broken pieces of his life fit together, and if he knew the song, then he could sing, he made something beautiful in my life. So when Joseph cries out, not you, but God, Joseph has made his decision not to see the horror movie any longer. What He made his decision not to see this horror movie of what they did to him, but instead to watch the movie of what God did through them. And for Joseph, it was not what they did to him, it was what God did through them. And that's how Joseph gives us the key to overcome, to overcome bitterness and anger. It's in Joseph's statement, not you, but God. So what we've done today, if we learn from Joseph three important principles of life. And these three simple, three simple principles of life from simple statements that he made. The first principle of life was seen in, in verse four, I am Joseph, your brother. That's the principle of I am your brother. That's a principle of even though others may divorce themselves from us, we do not divorce ourselves from them. That's the first principle, I am your brother. Second principle of life is seen in verse six, these two years of the famine been in the land and yet there are five years. That's the principle of two down, five to go. Two down, five to go. That principle is to keep in mind that we have our life work to do within the short limits of our life. And we should always be thinking of what we can no longer do, that's the two down part. And what we can still do, that's the five to go part. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The two down drives us to get done what we can do in the five to go. We need to pray for the lost while we can and encourage the saved while we can. And then the third principle in verse eight is, it was not you that sent me hither but God. That's the principle of not you, but God. That's the principle of, a, a principle of choosing to watch God's movie and not the devil's horror movie in our lives. That's a principle of seeing life not as what others did to us, but what God did through others. And so these are the three principles of life that Joseph has taught us, which are the principles of, I am your brother, two down, five to go, not you, but God. Have you got them? You got them? Let's live them, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the life that you indwelt in a man named Joseph who yielded himself to you and did mighty things with you in him. And we pray that you would do the same with us in Jesus' name, amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.